to the left corner to Aguila. Aguila to the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon. All right, happy Wednesday and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Yeah, Steinberg logo along with you and we welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Yeah, we are uh, live here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan and of course Wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Spotify and Google and Amazon, we're here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hi, Logo. Happy Wednesday, Pat. Uh, happy Wednesday to you, Pump day. Nice. Well done. Well played. Um, let's. Uh, I want to start this hour talking about Rasmus Anderson because I was... Uh, sure. Aaron Vickers posted a link. If you go to Vickers' Twitter uh, over at AA Vickers... He posted a link to this on Tuesday. Did he go to the World Championships? <sighs> yes, he did. he did. I don't know if he's mentioned it. Um, and over on his Twitter, he posted this link from a story from that same Swedish publication. He's been talking to all the Swedish players who play for the Flames. And uh, there's always something that comes from it. This time they spoke to Rasmus Andersson. And uh, it was a conversation about the coming season, a conversation about, you know, all the changes, lots of interesting stuff about Backlund's future, Lindholm's future, all that type of stuff. But I'm really excited about Anderson's season. And, and I wanted to bounce a couple of questions, a couple of topics off of you. So I think Rasmus is coming off his best NHL season, despite statistically it not being his best NHL season. He had 49 points in 79 games last year, which is one point less than the total he had the year before, but came in three fewer games. He also bumped his goal total from four to 11. So assists came down, but goals went up and he finished with 49 and 79. But it's important to remember that he missed the three games after sustaining that injury in Detroit. He was riding on the scooter, got hit by a car. We all know uh, he missed three games, and then he played the final 28, and in all 28 of those games, he was, I think, more affected by the, well, not not I think, we know he was more affected by the injury than he let on at any point throughout the year. I think we knew that he wasn't at 100%, but I don't think we knew to what extent he was not at 100%, so he played the final 28 games of his season after missing those three well below full strength, and so... I think it's fair to say that had he been healthy for the final third of the season or the final quarter of the season, that those point totals would have been well over the 50 he had the year before. I I thought that prior to the injury, Rasmus Anderson was trending to have a a really, really strong season and a second career career, sorry, second consecutive career season. So I'm I'm really excited what a fully healthy Rasmus Anderson can end up doing this coming year. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, despite what you, you mentioned of him you know, having to deal with those mental and physical issues from that car accident in Detroit and not reaching the point total, he, you mentioned it as being a career season for him. Well, backing that up, he played the most time on ice per game that he's ever played in his career. It was up almost two minutes total from uh, the 21-22 season. He went from playing 22-40 a night Pat to twenty four oh five. He had the most shots of his career. He had the best shooting percentage of his career. His points, like you said, was just one off 
of his total and playing in those two extra minutes a night, he also wound up taking two less penalty minutes in the entire season. Now, three games different, so pretty much even. But to be playing two minutes more a night against the kind of competition that Rasmus played against last year and keeping your penalty minutes almost identical year after year is pretty impressive in and of itself. And yeah, look, the Rasmus Anderson conversation, I think, is one that is incredibly interesting because you you add in the captaincy conversation that Rasmus has been very vocal in and, you know, being one of these guys that is talked about wanting to commit to Calgary and wanting to commit to uh, the organization in that sense and being vocal about it, I think is very important because this is a guy that's 26, Pat, who's made a case to be a number one defenseman in this league those are the kind of guys that I think you can build around and create the kind of culture that Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have talked about since their hirings this summer about, you know, making it a positive place to be, but, you know, still coming to work every day and wanting to be a part of the Calgary Flames. Rasmus Anderson strikes me as that kind of guy that can do that for the Calgary Flames because I, I do think your captain has to talk the talk. He also has to walk the walk. And everything that Rasmus has done, yeah, he's done since both. being a full-timer in the NHL, yeah. he's done both. Uh, this was his quote to Hockey Sweden about how much the uh, injury that he sustained affected him in the final quarter or so of last year, a little bit more than a quarter, says, quote, and again, this is uh, this was actually translated right from a uh, friend of the program, uh, Ufe Bolin. This is not a Google Translate. Vickers got Ufe, who is fluent in both languages. And honestly, to just too this. kind to us when these things happen. Yeah, I think he probably spent like hours translating it. No, he didn't. But this is Still. this is this is a good English translation, not yep. a Google Translate uh, English translation. Uh, quote: Now it's good. It was mostly my back that was giving me trouble. I had a hard time getting out of bed some days. It really felt like I'd been hit by a car. But now it feels good. I've had a good summer for my body, and I've had the chance to build up my back. I took a complete break for five weeks, which I've probably never done before. I went to Spain for three weeks after the season to get away with my wife and child. Then we came home, and I felt I still needed some time. End quote. So I wonder if that does not happen in Detroit last year. What so he finishes with 49 and 79. Say he plays 82 and kept on going on the trajectory. Would we be talking in the 60 range for Rasmus? I don't, I don't think that would have been out of, out of the question. Um, and so, and it also makes me excited for a fully healthy Rasmus Anderson, maybe with, uh, maybe with being named captain, maybe being that guy, maybe not. We'll find out sometime before the season, I would imagine, but going to be healthy this season. You mentioned the shots. He went from 152 to 159, which is something he really wanted to focus on. I still think it's something he wants to focus on. I bet you when he speaks to us during training camp, it's one of the things that he'll discuss about how he'd like to increase that shot total even a yep. little bit more. What if he can get it to 165 or or 170 for next season? I just I don't I think Mackenzie Weger is right there with him. But based on minutes, based on offense, I don't. It's hard. It's hard to say that Rasmus isn't their number one defenseman, and and maybe Weger, especially in the second half of last season, and if he picks up from that, maybe we're talking about a one A one B situation. And if we are, and they're playing on the same pairing, even better because I think they should be on the same pairing yeah. to start the year. But I I think when you take a look at 
all of the situations he plays in, the minutes that you talked about, getting a bump from the 22 to the 24-minute range, the fact that he plays huge even strength minutes, he plays on the number one power play now, he's a big part of the penalty kill, he's not getting sheltered even strength minutes, he's getting top pair five-on-five minutes. Like, Yeah, I think he's undoubtedly or undoubtedly, rather, the number one defenseman on the team. And and I think if he's not there as a just a straight-up number one defenseman based on that league definition, then I think he's knocking on the door. And honestly, as of right now, I, think, I, I don't think that it's too much of a Calgary take to say that Rasmus going into this season would be looked at as one of the top 15, 20 defensemen in the NHL. I was even, because I, I thought about that. I was writing, out, writing that on my script, and I was like, okay, and I'm always worried about the... Flames talk blinders because you see the one guy or the, sure. the group of guys more than you see anybody else. And we're always guilty of overvaluing or there's always that worry of overvaluing guys that you cover all the time. So I just went and I Googled top rank NHL defenseman ranking. And I looked at some of the different publications or different blog sites, different websites that, that did it for the coming season. And in every single one of them, he cracked the top 20 there. So I'm like, okay, I'm not just being flames talk guy. Yeah, I think that Rasmus Anderson enters this season as as one of the 15, 20 best defensemen in the NHL. I don't think that's crazy to say. No, I don't either. I think if you take the time to actually make the list and, and talk about how many guys you would take as a true number one defenseman over Rasmus Anderson, I think that that number, to me, without doing it right now on the air for everyone to get bored by, would probably work out in the, the 12 to 15 range and for different reasons. Like, right? he's not Makar, he's not Fox, no, he's not Aiskin, and he's not But that's, like, the group. only thing that holds it back, right, is in the sense of, okay, he's probably not going to hit 80, 90, 100 points like some of the the top, top-end guys. Other than that, what does he not do as a number one defenseman? Well, I think I the way that that's I have That's the only him, thing that I would I would hold back on some of those guys is, is that. Who would you have in like the no questions asked elite top tier? The three that I just mentioned, probably mm-hmm. Yossi, uh, Hedman. There's probably one or two others that were just off the top of our head. Maybe McAvoy's in that mix now um, and a few others. I, I have Rasmus in that kind of I, – I have him very similar to where I see Lindholm. Like is Lindholm in the McDavid, Drysaddle, McKinnon, uh, number one center conversation? No, he's not there. He's in that next tier of being – a, no, a good number one center. Not an elite superstar number one center, but a good number one center. That's kind of where I see Rasmus. kind of like Josh Morrissey. Yeah, I think that's right? probably a, a decent comparable. Probably does a little de- bit decent, of everything. Uh, decent gauge. Probably range. on his best year could get into the Norris conversation, but maybe isn't there every single year, right? If, and look, just because you don't win the Norris every year, if you're in the top 10 conversation, you're garnering votes every year. You're still a pretty damn good defenseman, and uh, the award thing is is such a sidetrack and not even important in this because, especially the Norris Trophy isn't voted how I, I feel the Norris should be. But I just use that as an example. But right. yeah, and, yeah, it's there's nothing wrong with being, God, the fifteenth best defenseman in the league, where there's hundreds of guys and the top talent is is unbelievable. He's twenty six. I still think he has a chance to be better, Pat. Given, well, that's why. That's why given I'm really the situation excited about that he's the here with Ryan Huska. And what Husk was talking about, uh, about you know how they're going to move the puck this year and how they want to transition. God, all those words when he said that, I was like, I don't know, that really sounds like something Rasmus Anderson is going to be really well, damn about, good at. How about when Rasmus joined us on Flames Talk uh, like the week after Ryan Huska got hired as head coach and listening to Rasmus talk about how excited he is to be playing for Huska again and, and how big a deal that is for the Flames. I, I, saw, I just... 
he's now moving into that range where this day and age, his age is kind of when defensemen really start to fully hit their stride and become like, I think Victor Hedman at 26 was better than he was at 24. And I still think guys like Makar and Haskin have other levels to reach, which is, is somewhat scary. But I think Rasmus is starting to get to that point. And I, I think there's another season or two where he could take some big steps. And I think his confidence level, I talked to him about midway through last season. I remember talking to him in the locker room about his comfort level playing the number one power play. He'd done it before in junior. He'd done it before in the American League. But full-time doing it in the NHL for the first time took some time, comfort, guys around him, all that type of stuff. While you're you're looking at the same personnel minus Toffoli on the power play this year. So you're probably not having as much of, of a learning curve. There's more comfort and confidence in running that number one power play. I, I just think a full 82-game season for Anderson, the minutes that he plays, the position, the, the, the situations that he plays in, if he were to push it from his career high of 50 to being in that 60-point range, wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, that would be one of the, I don't even know how bold a prediction is, but I, I just think that that's kind of the next step for Rasmus is moving into that 60-point range and uh, getting to that point for the first time. In I just career. like all the factors that line up towards him having this kind of season, right? Personally feeling healthy and in a good place. I think mentally feeling like you're a leader on this team, captain C or not, right? That'll work yeah. itself out. I think regardless of he'll wear a what, letter regardless, exactly, and yeah. he'll be a leader regardless, yeah. right? Add that into the relationship he has with Ryan Huska, and then you know, like you, we've mentioned briefly in this conversation, Pat, if the Mackenzie Weger that was here the back half of the season is his partner for the entire year, I sure like how that lines up for both of them heading into the season as a true number one pairing, the way that they can work off each other, the way that they can give each other confidence uh, as a D pairing and potentially the number one D pairing for this team for the foreseeable future, looking across to that guy and saying, look, this is my guy. We're going to work together. We're going to be this team's number one pairing for whatever, five, six years down the road. Let's rock and roll like that. I I think there's a lot of things that line up to to Rasmus Anderson having a a really great season in Calgary. Well, you go back to not this past season, but the season before and, and Uyghur's last season in Florida, he played his off wing almost all year uh, on Aaron Ekblad's or his off wing is offside on Eric, Aaron Ekblad's left Ekblad right shot D. So is Mackenzie Uyghur. So again, until Ekblad went down with injury, it was Uyghur and Ekblad with Uyghur playing his, uh, his weak side and had himself an outstanding season. And I thought Uyghur, the best of Uyghur was when he got put with Rasmus Anderson last year. So I'd be really interested in seeing those two start the season together. And you know that you always have the ability to move Uyghur back to his strong side and juggle things up. You know you always have that ability. But if you can put your two... Because I think at this stage, there's no doubt that Anderson, especially with Noah Hannafin not being with this team beyond this year. I think we all believe that. So you're taking a look at Anderson and Weger as your kind of centerpiece defenseman for the next, in in Anderson's case, three years, and we hope longer. And yeah, well, let's be honest, they're the only two guys signed up longer-ish term That's right now, point. so... Those, line those up, are your line guys. Whatever you want to, they're here right now. You might as well. Like, those are your guys that you're going forward with long-term. Yep. I just, yes, I like the idea potentially of balancing them, but if you can have Tanev and Shillington 
give you a, a really strong second pairing this year. And if Zadorov can continue being a solid third pair D like he's been the last couple of years, why wouldn't you put Uyghur with Anderson and, and start to make that just kind of one of those pairings that you set and forget and one of those pairings that you just know is going to be there, like Makar and Taves. And, and, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be the same pairing as Makar and Taves because I don't know if there's a pairing in the NHL that's like what they do. But just a set and forget. You know when they're healthy, Anderson, Uyghur together, and game one of the playoffs, you know they're going to be there if the Flames make it, and you have the option of splitting them apart for a game or two or a week or two or a month here and there, but you can always go back to it. But a set and forget like that, I, I there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in it. In my well, mind. remember the stability the Flames had two years ago, especially with the defensive where pairings. they never changed their pairings. They never changed. They never had to. Yeah. Right. Everybody found their spot, and I think it did them a lot of good. I'm sure if you ask Rasmus, hey, you know, what's your preferred thing? Are you okay jumping around with other guys, or would you prefer? one solid pairing and you know that's the guy you're lining up with every night. I'm sure I know what the answer is, right? That year it was Hannafin Anderson, Tanev Shillington, Zadorov, Goodbranson, night in, night out. And it didn't matter. You didn't yep. have to change anything. You didn't have to move anything. And I think if that's the case for the Flames this year, especially for the first pairing, it's going to result in a lot of good things. Yep. And I mean, if they trade, if if Shillington hits the ground running and is as good as he was or is showing like he's moving towards, towards that. Yeah, yeah. like if, it, if it's you're like, okay, yeah, he's moving in that direction. Well, then I don't think that you're all that. I don't think the hit from trading Hannafin, even if it's for a future type deal, it becomes a whole lot easier to absorb if you've got Shillington playing the way he is and you've got, or, or the way that you hope he's going to. And then you've got Anderson and Weger as a true top pairing in the NHL. Well, and I wonder about that to, to a sense too, Pat is if you're Ryan Huska and the coaching staff heading into this year, how do you prioritize it? Right. Knowing that Noah Hannafin is not going to be here past the year. Right. Could happen at any time, could be trade deadline, could be somewhere else mixed in between. Do you prioritize finding the long-term solution for your team, or do you prioritize whatever's the best for you at this time, right? Because the one side of it that we've discussed is, yeah, make sure that Mackenzie Weger and, and Rasmus Anderson find a way to come together as a pairing, and we can talk about them being your number one pairing going forward. Maybe Oliver Shillington takes some time to to bounce back, right? Maybe Noah Hannafin's that guy with Chris Tanev for a little while. And I have I'm no curious. problem with that either because it's a good way to boost Hannafin's trade value. hundred percent. I just I, I wonder how much that's in the back of Ryan's mind, knowing that look, yes, the season and, and how they play is obviously important, but knowing that Noah doesn't right now, and, and by all means has never hasn't wavered on this it doesn't fit into your long-term plans as to what you're doing past. I don't want to see 82 games because I don't think it comes to that, but you know, how do you prioritize that? If you're, if you're the head coach of this team and knowing that a change is probably inevitable there. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think you, if you're, if you're the flames, I don't think you can think about that. I don't think that, especially if you're the coach, like as much as the coach has, He's worried about the long term and all that type of stuff. I still think that you have to, uh, you still have to put the best lineup on the ice for that next game, and you still have to be thinking 
little picture and going game by game. And I also think that by doing that, it gives you the best chance. If Noah Hannafin is here on October 11th for opening day, I think by putting your best three pairings together and wherever Hannafin fits, if that's with Rasmus, if that's with Tanev, wherever, it gives you the best chance of maximizing Hannafin's value because you want him playing at, you know, it's kind of the conversation we had on Tuesday when talking about Lindholm. If Elias Lindholm decides he does not want to be here, whether he we, we end up having that communicated publicly or not, the best way for him to get what he wants, if he wants to be traded, the best way for the Flames to facilitate that and get a good return, it's best for everybody if you just go out and play well, be a good teammate, be a good pro. Same is true with Hannafin. We know there's no ill will. We know Noah doesn't not want to be here. It's more that he wants to be elsewhere, and he's not going to come in as a malcontent or, or somebody who's going to be a distraction. He'll come in and, and play and be the same guy that he was, and that's the best way to get him elsewhere. And whether it's trading him early in the season or trading him at the deadline, that's the best way to make that happen. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to me because you have other options defensively that that make that conversation a little bit different for me than the Lindholm one. Like, if Lindholm's here in any capacity, he's your number one center. There's just no gap. To me, there's no comparison. With all due respect to what Nazem Kadri is and what Michael Backlund is, as far as the number three, as far as the three centers are concerned here in Calgary, Lindholm to me is, is number one with a stamp. As far as the defense goes, I think you can you can make a different case to have guys up and down the lineup depending on again, not where you prioritize things, but maybe how you, you see it if you're Ryan Huska and how you want, you know, your team to look going forward. Well, if you and you know, if you want to give Shillington some time to get back up to speed Maybe having Hannafin with Tanev is the way to go. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that late October type conversation or early November as to when sometimes these deals get made. Well, if it's early November, Hannafin gets traded sometime then. That gives a month or so for Shillington to get himself up to speed at regular season pace. And then maybe you're a little bit more confident to move him in to a top four role. And he's a little bit more ready physically, mentally to move into a top four role. It, it also potentially works for you that way, too. Yeah, the the Shillington one is going to be one to watch, undoubtedly, because I'm someone that I think values a lot of what Chris Tanev brings to a young defenseman, and something about the safety blanket of Oliver Shillington landing, even if it isn't a top four spot, landing back with the guy that gave him his most successful NHL season to this point, to me, makes a lot of sense. No disrespect to to, to Nikita Zadorov, I think he can be a, a great pairing for, for Oliver Shillington, too, if that's how things start off. Yep. I just wonder about knowing how solid Chris Tanev is and how he just seems to work wonders with young guys with the similar kind of um, skill set to Oliver. If if maybe the most comforting way to bring him back into it is knowing that Chris is going to be there for him on a nightly ba- on a nightly basis. Q text at nine sixty nine sixty. This says keep Hannafin till January or February. Trade him to the East for a first round or plus. And if they're in the mix, use those assets to add at the deadline. Uh, interesting, interesting way mm. to look about it. Or the, there's also the whole idea that you know if you are in, and this doesn't always happen, but it wouldn't be completely unprecedented if you are still in contention. Especially a guy like Hannafin, maybe you can make a hockey trade at the deadline or close to the deadline as well. Um, that's something that isn't completely out of the question. Again. I still think sooner the better. I think in the first month of the season, trading Hannafin is fine because 
The Flames will not have established what they are at that point and gives you lots of time to boost Hannafin's value, gives you lots of time to get Shillington up to speed, and gives you lots of time after the deal to adjust to it and start to figure out some new pairings. Maybe there's a young defenseman who comes back. Maybe there's not. But I I still think if you're going to make a deal earlier the better. If it's going to have to be an in-season deal, if something's not going to get done between now and training camp, then I think still earlier the better. Uh, This says, while I appreciate the optimistic outlook, what if Shillington isn't close to what he was? What if Hannafin tears an ACL or gets a broken hand or broken foot? Same for Lindholm. Then what? Well, I mean, yes, there is the injury worry for sure. I get that. Hannafin's been one of the most durable defensemen in the NHL. I don't know how much, knock on wood, but I don't know how much of uh, an injury worry there is, especially with a guy. I mean, both Lindholm and Hannafin, very durable guys. guys, So I'm, I'm not super concerned about that. I'm not any more concerned about that than I would be with any other NHL player where injuries are always a concern. Yes, it's a worry, but is it something that can, in my eyes, determine fully how you go about your business? No. Um, And I still believe the most ideal circumstance is trading Hannafin before the season starts. No doubt about it. But if you can't do that, or if you're not getting that value right now, I understand waiting until the regular season gets going. I do because it gives you the opportunity to see who gets off to slow starts or see who sustains injuries elsewhere, all that type of stuff. It gives you that option. But if if it's an ideal world and you could get the return you wanted, then I still think it's best to trade him now or trade him between now and the start of training camp or the start of the season. It'll be interesting. Uh, as I know, you guys had uh, Frank Starvelli on Flames Talk just the other day, and he talked about it's it's really quiet out there. I, I, I just wonder how much gets done until we get to the NHL I'm not, season. I'm not where, anticipating. No, I just, I, I think it's. As a, much I, as I think it's ideal. At this point, the calendar flipped into September. I, I really think GMs are at the point where maybe there's a tinkering move here or there, but for the most part, they want to at least see in some way, shape, or could it happen in the preseason, right? Maybe you get a couple preseason games in and a GM and a coach get together and say, look, we're just not, these guys aren't getting it done for us how we hoped. Let's Let's make a move here and try to bring somebody in before you know, we get into the season here. I I think that's every bit as possible too. Uh, This text reads flames are actually in pretty good shape on the back end. Shillington will be fine. And it's just a matter of time before they trade Hannafin, but they'll come out good there. So nothing to worry about as far as I'm concerned on the back end. I do think they're in decent shape, especially knowing that you'll get a good return for Hannafin, whether it's somebody that can help you now or not. I still think they're in pretty decent shape when it comes to their back end. As we are underway this hour on Flames Talk with Logan Gordon, my name is Pat Steinberg. We're coming at you on this Wednesday edition of the program from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour continues on a Wednesday. Steinberg along with you as we move closer to the start of training camps around the NHL. We're less than three weeks away. We're actually kind of in that two-week range. We don't have an exact date, but just based on uh, based on history, my guess would be Camp starts two weeks as we're talking right now. It's a Wednesday, September 6th. So my guess is physicals on Wednesday the 20th. First on-ice sessions 
Thursday, Friday, then into Saturday morning skate Sunday, and then preseason game number one on the Sunday. That would be my guess that we're in the two-week window for the start of training camp and three weeks, uh, two weeks on Thursday would be when we see the first real on-ice session. That's just a guess. My point is, it's not just the Flames. It's around the NHL. We got training camp battles. We got training camp questions. We got all kinds of stuff to preview around the Pacific Division. It's time to welcome back. Flames Talk is back for the rest of the season. Uh, and uh, we brought back Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider, on Tuesday and on this Wednesday. We welcome back our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network Radio. Jonathan Davis is with us right now. Hello, J.D. How we doing? We're doing great, Pat. Beautiful day out here in SoCal. You know, we got, I know hockey season's two weeks away or so, but, you know, NFL starts tomorrow, and I know we got college football down here, and it's a great time of the year. Baseball races, the yep. Jays laid an egg, you know. Yep. What, uh, what's going on? Are you, are you ready to go? Are you ready to uh, cover some SoCal training camps? I am. I mean, the, the prep work started, a, like, in earnest about three weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I'm doing, uh, I got, I got a lot of homework assignments that I'm working on right now. Um, That uh, yeah. I mean, it's been just a lot of different things that uh, we're looking at, you know, until, you know, look, until guys hit the ice, it's more about kind of taking a look at a lot of the stuff behind the scenes and looking at, at schedules and, just seeing, you know, uh, some of the quirks of the schedule for teams, things like back-to-backs that, you know, that, you know, how many back-to-backs teams have. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different things, you know, as, as uh, you know, that I've started to work on starting in, you know, back, basically in July. How, uh, how competitive are we expecting the Pacific Division to be this season? The Stanley Cup champion comes from the division this year. You had L.A., Edmonton, and Seattle on top of Vegas all make the playoffs last year. Uh, how, how competitive are we expecting this division to be in 23-24? More competitive than it was last year in your eyes? I think so. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think that Vancouver... Uh, you know, you, you've listened to the, if you've had a chance to listen to, you know, Elliot and Jeff sit down with, with Elias Pettersson. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting just to hear some of the things he had to say and what JT Miller has said in the off season. It was just, you know, last season was just a bit of a, you know, a bleep show as they talked about until Rick Tockett got there to kind of settle things down. I, look, I think they're, they're a better team. Um, they're stronger, I think, up front. I like some of the, you know, the additions up front with Bluger and P. Suter. Um, you know, their defense is what's going to be, I think, is still a little questionable. They've got a bunch of number twos that they, I think, they signed in the offseason with Ian Cole and Carson Soucy. Um, they're going to be tougher to play against. I mean, the guys that they, you know, those are two guys in Cole and Soucy that, you know, will, will definitely make life more miserable for the opposition. But, you know, they, I don't think they really have a true second pairing guy that they, you know, on that roster right now. Um, but if they have bubble Demko and, 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 you know, that, and they can get just enough from the blue line. Yeah. I, I think they're better. I think they're absolutely better than they were a year ago. Well, if we start in Vancouver, as we previewed training camp, you know, you talk about them making some additions and, and even talking to people in the most pessimistic of Vancouver media people, and and that 
if you're used to this market and you think there's pessimism in this market, it is at a different level in Vancouver. Like it's just you can't even compare it. Like you you listen to the Drances, you listen to the Halford and Bruffs and 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 so on and so it's just a different type of pessimism in that market. But even the most pessimistic believe that the Canucks have the opportunity to be more competitive this coming season than they were last year. Maybe not a, a definite playoff team, but more competitive and more in the conversation. And yet, throughout all of that, the thing that's going to be hanging over the season in some form or another is going to be Elias Pettersson, the type of year he has, and what type of contract he's going to be signing after this year as a pending restricted free agent. That's going to be one of those kind of underlying stories all year long, isn't it? Well, absolutely. But, you know, look, I mean, Petey talked about it with Elliot and Jeff. He said he's in no rush, and... Let's see how things play out. And, and look, I, I understand that from, you know, after everything that that team has gone through the last couple of years, for him, he knows he's going to get paid. It's just a matter of how long do I want to make that commitment? You know, are we really going in the right direction? So, sure, it is going to be a major topic of conversation, just like the JT Miller situation was last season. Uh, but, they, you know... I just, you know, they've got the right guy behind the bench to steer the ship. And there's, there's enough talent up, you know, with this roster that, yeah, they're going to be more competitive. But, you know, like, I'll go back, you know, that defense with Susie and Cole and Philip Aronik and Willan and Tyler Myers, you know, outside of Quinn Hughes, it, it's not yep. scaring the bejesus out of anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's not the Calgary Flames back in. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, but... Can they do with it? Can can they play well enough, you know, and be competitive enough with their group up front, which you know is I, I think is above average. Uh, so it, yeah, it remains to see. But look, they have one of the best goalies on paper in the division. It gives them a chance. And if he's as if he's as good, we're talking about Thatcher Demko. If he's as good. Yeah as he was coming off the injury. I know that he he struggled before the injury, but he came back. I remember I remember that last game the Flames played in Vancouver. Like he was out of his mind. Yeah. Uh and so if yeah. he if he is that and not just that game, he was really good for right. him as soon as he came back. That's the type of goaltender he's capable of being and if they're going to make the playoffs or be close to it in Vancouver, that's the type of Thatcher Demko they need. Yeah, no, no, no question, Pat. There, there's no question, and you know when uh, that's that, you know look, I I I like what they have in goal a lot better than you know what what the L.A. Kings have in goal. The team, you know, one of the teams that you know they're going to be challenging in the, you know for the division. I mean, you know, look if you look at Vancouver, I mean, look right now, uh, you know, one of the odds places I saw. Look, they're they're fourteen to one to win the division. That's behind. Edmonton, Vegas, L.A., Calgary, and Seattle. Uh, and it's significantly behind all those teams. So, you know, the odds makers are, are kind of telling you, you know, where they see, you know, where they're at. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's, we're, we're, we're not, we're not talking, you know, that's the division as opposed to the playoffs. But it just kind of gives you an idea, you know, when they're 14 to 1 and Seattle is 9 and Calgary is 8, you know, it kind of tells you where the odds makers think this yeah. Vancouver team is still at right now. Um, they're not they don't feel that they're with, you know, that, you know, look, they feel your team is still significantly better than theirs. Yes. My, I so, own them. They are my team. Yes. Yes. You do own them. I, I heard you, you won the lottery. Uh, so, but 
I guess that more competitive, no question in my mind. Uh, and you know, they'll be, I, I, they're, they're going to be taking points away and it'll be, you know, I, I do think they're going to have to outscore teams on most nights. I don't see them winning a lot of two to one games. We're talking that's to, not because of Demko. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just yeah. because you don't have a lot of belief in what they've got on the back end, and I don't, I don't blame you yeah. on that front. Uh, we're chatting with Jonathan Davis, NHL Network Radio. Uh, he's our Pacific Division insider. Joins us Wednesdays here on Flames Talk. You know the that Oilers team, the the Oilers that that made it to the second round, and that that Oilers team that got for a second consecutive year knocked out by the eventual Stanley Cup champion have not made a lot of changes. They go into the season with the same goaltending duo, which was not the case last year. They go into the season essentially with an identical blue line, and and obviously up front they made the the Connor Brown addition. They re-signed a couple of guys. They've lost Yamamoto, but essentially we're talking about the same Oilers team. And the the big question is not going to be about you know how are additions going to help this team. It's it's going to be about how they can grow internally or be better internally. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how Eckholm looks for them in the course of a full season in Edmonton. But there, there's really not a whole lot to be talking about in terms of training camp battles or anything like that because it's essentially the same Oilers team going into the season. Yeah, well, look. I mean, they were up against it with the cap, so not a lot of not a lot of maneuverability. Really, no, you know, very very little, if any, maneuverability. So they couldn't make any significant roster moves. So this is really a year about okay, how do we grow? How do we learn from you know what we went through last season? And you know, that's more on guys like an Evan Bouchard or or Dayarnay on the you know, two blue liners for them. You know, got valuable experience last year. Bouchard, you know, to anchor that power play. Uh, this year and so but ultimately you know can Stuart Skinner be the guy I talked to one one goaltending coach in the Pacific Division and you know he said he really he believes in him he thinks that you know if if if, if he was coaching him he thinks the corrections are, are not that significant that he needs to make and so you know ultimately this team I think goes as far as Stuart Skinner we'll see if Ken Holland ends up having you know is able to make any deals at the deadline. But I think that, you know, the two keys are, you know, it had to be a long summer for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Had just had to be a miserable summer with, you know, a phenomenal regular season mm-hmm. and they just, just laid an absolute egg in the playoffs. It was awful. And so I'm sure this is, you know, talk about a guy that, that uh, you know, a little redemption for him, uh, a lot of redemption for him. And yeah, the Connor Brown, you know, signing again, it lengthens this, this roster, no question, Pat. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I still think that uh, I still like them a lot. I, I don't see why they don't finish in the top three. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, for me, the X factor is, you know, can't, what, what can Connor Brown do for this team? Can he be the guy, you know, that scored, what, uh, 29 goals back yeah. in 21-22? Yeah. I, and, I mean, look, on the goaltending front, I oh we just lost uh, we just lost JD we'll uh, get him back in just a second Jonathan Davis has uh, dropped we're fine don't worry about it um, on the on the goaltending front I really like the like the mental approach I like the way that Stuart Skinner goes about his business I like the the fact that he knows that 
it didn't go very well in the playoffs last year. I like the fact that he knows he struggled in the postseason. And he's I remember talking to him at the Shaw Charity Classic. I just I think he's got the right mental approach for getting better, making the adjustments, all that type of stuff. Jonathan Re, uh, Jonathan rejoins us right now. I was just saying while we were getting you back, JD, I, I think Stuart yeah. Skinner is the type of guy that even the, the mental approach is there for him to make the adjustments that you were talking about there. Yeah, he seems to be in the right mindset. I mean, it didn't seem rattled during the playoffs, at least, you know, at least not what we saw. So, yeah, look, I, I believe, you know, look, they, they felt that this that he was ready to make that next step. He got a year under his belt where he had to play in tough games. And, again, like, like, like a guy like Nugent Hopkins, it's another bounce back for him. But, you know, for me, the most, you know, one of the more intriguing things for me this year at the Edmonton Oilers is, you know, will Connor McDavid hit the 1,000-point mark this year? I, you know, that's something for me that, you know, I'm keeping an eye on, you know, he needs 150 points to hit 1,000. Um, you know, I, I saw at one site he was plus 450 to get 150-plus points this year. Uh, you know, look, last year was his first year where he ever, you know, was higher than you know, 123 was his previous. Yeah, he went from 123 uh, to 153. Yeah. So, but he played two more games, right. J.D. He played two more games. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Of course. So I forgot about that. Uh, that, that, that on a personal note, you know, on a personal level, that's going to be, I think, is, is another storyline to fall. What uh, what are the storylines in Seattle as we uh, as we take a look to uh, in year two they made the playoffs and won a round it was a it was a dream sophomore season for the Kraken what does year three in terms of storylines look like for them because they've had a little bit of roster turnover over the summer yeah I mean as you know I read one story today about uh, you know they were predicted to finish fifth I I don't see that but. You know, everyone said, look, they played over their, over their weight class last year. Uh, you know, look, you take a look at that roster last year. All 12, all 12 of their forwards, at least they're, who played, you know, on a regular basis, no one played less than 10 minutes. That seems to be, you know, Dave Haxall's theme there in, in Seattle. You know, can Jared McCann, that's the big one. You know, look, he went from 27 to 40 goals last year. Um, you know, you take a look at, you know, that roster and who comes into that roster this year, Pat? You know, does Shane Wright take make that next step? Does a guy like Ty Karche, who, you know, who got a sniff during the playoffs last year and performed really well and scored, I believe, on his first shift in the playoffs, you know, does he make this roster? Does a guy like Cole Lynn, who led the AHL in scoring last year uh, in the playoffs, does he take a spot from somebody? Because, you know, look, you know, does, you know, do one of those two guys that I just mentioned, you know, do they take the place of a Yamamoto um, or you know, any one of those three guys? I mean, you've got Wright, Karche, and Lind all looking, you know, you, you talk about how Edmonton didn't have guys challenging for roster spots. There are three forwards in Seattle that are going to be challenging and trying to push guys like Yamamoto, like, you know, uh, like a Belmar. I mean, different roles for these guys, but, uh, I, I do like where they're going. And then, you know, you had Vince Dunn who came off just the outstanding year that, you know, how he jumped, uh, you know, from his la you know, from his first year, from his year prior to this year. And, uh, you know, got, you know, got rewarded with a big contract. Uh, I do like this team. I like, you know, Philip Grubauer is the guy that many thought he would be when, you know, when, when Seattle brought him in and then, 
you know, who's going to be the backup in, in, in Seattle? You know, last year it was Martin Jones. He's now in Toronto. But, you know, this year you've got – it's Chris Dreger and, and Joey Decord, who had an outstanding playoff for, for Seattle's AHL team uh, all the way to the finals. He, he was great. You know, the former senator goalie really distinguished himself. So I, I like the Seattle team. I don't, I don't really see a reason for drop-off because – just the way they play. I mean, it's, it's more about the sum of the parts than any one player. Looking forward to camps, man. I'm uh, it's good to have yeah. you back. It's good. We'll uh, next week. We'll take a look at the California teams and uh, the Vegas golden Knights. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to the year in the Pacific division. Looking forward to chatting with you all year, JD. It's good to have you back, man. Nice to be back. We'll talk good to you next week. Voice. Yes. Thank you, buddy. Uh, it's Jonathan Davis. He is our NHL Network Pacific Division Insider. He'll join us Wednesdays this year, and uh, he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. As we start to wrap up this hour for Logan Gordon and for our producers, Cam and Taylor, my name is Pat Steinberg. We're back for a two-hour, uh, we got a two episodes for you, two hours for you on Thursday's program. Uh, for now, that'll wrap up this hour on a Wednesday. It's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.